This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Hello, and welcome to the first official edition of Ages and Icons. I'm Gina Bucci. I'm Mike Crisologo, arts and entertainment editor at Zoomer Magazine. And yeah, I guess this is our first official one. We did uh, our podcast, our Ages and Icons podcast. The first one was like a Christmas episode. Our podcast? Our podcast, yes. Just Mm -hmm. before Christmas. So uh, it was like a a compilation episode. Usually programs, they go like a a full season and they throw in a compilation episode. We started with it. Oh, that's right. Some Christmas memories of interviews and stuff. So yeah, I guess this is our first like straight uh, ages, ages and icons. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, I think that this uh, episode will be more indicative of the format to come. Absolutely. Today, you're going to get a taste of that because um, this is uh, his interview, uh, a fairly recent one from the fall, I believe, mm-hmm. with uh, Jan Arden. The, the whole point of ages and icons is sort of take readers behind the interviews that they, they see in Zoomer. And uh, this interview with Jan ended up uh, being the cover story for the uh, December 2017, January 2018 issue of Zoomer. So uh, if, if you've got your copy of Zoomer with uh, Jan on the cover, it's the blue cover. Uh, this is the interview um, from from that issue. At the time, uh, you know, I was just going to sit down with her at a hotel in Toronto uh, to talk about her new book called Feeding My Mother. And it's sort of a, it's an interesting book. It's a mix of memoir and um, cookbook because it's about, um, helping her mother as her mother sort of nav- is, you know, battling Alzheimer's and, and Jan is trying to navigate uh, that sort of the, the struggles and the, the difficulties and the highs and the lows of that um, experience. So, yeah, it was, it's always exciting to sit down with Jan Arden. I think anybody who follows her career knows how uh, funny she is and irreverent and like she's just such a great personality. She's very funny. She, she interjects yeah. humor into into this topic in a way that I don't really know anyone else that could. That, that, that's really true. And I think a lot of people deal with difficult subjects in different ways. There's the old uh, Bare Naked Ladies, uh, the, the lyric from, you know, I'm the kind of guy who laughs at a funeral. You know, and that idea that, you know, we all deal with these difficult things and difficult times in our lives and experiences in different ways. And I think this uh, today's episode being our first episode is is. Great for a few things. First of all, it it marks the um, uh, this being Alzheimer's Awareness Month in January. We want to draw awareness to that, and um, also uh, I think that Jan Arden is having a resurgence in her career, uh, her professional career. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only is this book coming out that I know a lot of people are reading. People, that, well, the book's already out, right? Yeah, this book that's out, Feeding My Mother. Um, a lot of people are reading. People I know that these people don't read. I'm like, you don't read. <laughs> and they're on social media talking about it, and they love it. And uh, that's just how relate um, relatable she is and her writing is. And uh, this, um, you, this just a little spoiler, but she does talk about how she was sort of workshopping this on social media herself. On Facebook, she was writing mm-hmm. posts where, like, uh, sometimes a million people would be uh, looking at her posts and sharing her posts. Yeah. And she would be getting thousands of messages. It was overwhelming of yeah. of people that, that were like, thank God for saying this. And also she'd be asking questions like, oh, my God, how do I do this? Like, help me yeah. out. Um, and I guess that's the benefits of having a fan base where you have a question. Ask your fans. Yeah. Your fans are there to help. Yeah, you don't see that a lot in celebrity where they'll reach out and say, hey, I'm dealing with this in my personal life. Yeah. What the heck is going on? And this book 
this memoir of, of helping her mother deal with Alzheimer's after her father suffered from dementia for years and passed away in 2015. It started, like you said, just with uh, social media posts. Hey, this is happening. You know, what do I do? Or I just need to vent. And then when she saw people were responding on Facebook and getting these, you know, messages from other people who were going through the same thing, it really sparked that idea. Like, my God, this is a, like a communal thing that we're all going through. And I wonder, too, like you mentioned, you have friends who don't really read, but they read this. Like, yeah. you know, I wonder if that speaks to, you know, for better or worse. The idea that, you know, it's sort of that sort of disease well, or, or dementia daunting. touches our lives. I, th- I think the format of this book is less daunting. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And Jan will go into the format, so so we won't talk about that. But it, it just seems less daunting. It's d- very different than a book written by a doctor or a scientist breaking it down. Not that those, obviously, those types of books don't have yeah. th- their merit and, and they're incredibly important. But... Um, uh, this is just different. This is just coming from someone people can relate to, that like them. You understand? Yeah. So um, it's more Absolutely. accessible that way. But in addition to that, she's got a great new album uh, coming out called These Are the Days. And some great singles are out right now. And um, yeah, one of them's called, it, Mike? Well, one of them's called The Long Goodbye. Depending on when you're listening to this podcast, uh, I, I believe the album drops in mid-March. Um, so depending on when you're listening to this podcast, how late, uh, you come to this episode, it's already out or it's coming out, you can pre-order it, but yeah, it's, uh, it's really like this life experience has touched, it's in the book, it's, it's touched her musically. And we talk about that in the interview, you know, um, writing this song long goodbye, uh, about her experience with her mom and her mom listening to it, you know, and, and being on the road while being the primary caregiver for, a uh, a parent who has Alzheimer's, you know, and and how she balances that. So that's all in the interview. And you mentioned Jan having this resurgence. She has the the book that's out. She has got the album that's coming out. And at the end of December, December 29th, ninth, twenty seventeenth, she was uh, appointed as a member of the Order of Canada. What? Yeah, she's up there. Uh, William Shatner it. and Denis Villeneuve and, and a whole bunch of uh, Canadian luminaries. Uh, she deserves it. Yeah, for sure. We're, uh, Long time coming. Yeah, we're announced for the Order of Canada. I mean, everybody loves Jan Arden, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can't you can't talk about Canadian music and Canadian entertainment without talking about Jan Arden. She's such a unique personality, and um, I I mean I can tell you just from meeting her. Uh, we met at a hotel downtown in this tiny little conference room. If you read the cover story in the, the winter issue of Zoomer, you, you'll remember this. We met in a tiny little conference room, sort of uh, through this labyrinth of, of hallways and doors. And I remember when I found the conference room, finally, it was just the, <laughs> the publicist from the music company was sitting in there and he looked up at me as if like, oh my God, like he hasn't seen another human for I don't know how long. You know, like, my God, there's, you know, a sign of civilization because there was a window in the conference room that opened up onto a wall. On the other side, like outside the window was just a wall. So uh, I remember when Jan eventually came in, she's like, what she's like, what the heck is this place? Where are we? You know? But she had like a granola bar and some like fruit candies in her purse. And she's like, hey, I got these at least. So yeah. it was like, you know what? Th- that's Jan Arden, you know? Like, even in case if, you're locked in. Uh, yeah. Like, it's like, a bomb shelter exactly. by accident. If that's what be, you booked. Exactly. If I'm going to be trapped in this weird secluded little labyrinth of rooms, I'd like it to be with somebody with like Jan Arden, sense of humor, talented, hilarious, sweet person. Okay. Well, let's take everyone right into that interview because that's what this yeah. show is going to be all about is uh, Ages and Icons, what I'm talking about, our podcast. Uh, we want to take everyone into uh, Mike's interviews and, and have them feel like they're sitting in the chair with Mike or um, on the couch with Mike or wherever Mike happens to be si- sitting yeah, or it's... standing, <laughs> conducting his 
his interviews and they and they sound more like chats. So well, yeah, um, we could try to keep it as raw as possible too. Um, so sometimes, you know, the the odd bad word might pop out. If, well, uh, in this one, I'm gonna. Uh, the, it's funny that you mentioned that, Mike. I, I would. I made a point to mention this for sure. If you are listening to this in the car with kids, uh, kids around you, you might want to uh, save it for later or uh, well, put, I mean, put their like phones the whole, on. It's like two times. Well, maybe she it's a little like. more. She does. Actually, Mike, I just went through it and I printed it up. There's a few F-bombs, but that's it's Jen okay. and that's great. It's Jen. She's awesome. And you know what? She's not like saying it in like a bad way. She's hilarious. It's oh, not. She's not sitting there just swearing It's just a, a part of her vocabulary yeah. as, is, as it is mine. I mean, I, I swear a lot. So I'll tell you this. And... I mean, obviously, I'm not Jan Arden's, you know, close friend. I, I don't hang out with her or, or you know, um, I don't know her personally. But I can tell you that from meeting her in a room away from the cameras, away from any sort of, you know, prying eyes and just having a conversation that, that our listeners are going to hear right now. She's exactly like the same person you would expect from when you see her, you know, on a talk show or something like she's just that that is who she is. She's she's authentic. She's real. She's raw. She's funny. She's like just a just like an honest, real person. She it's not a facade. So like I think that's part of the charm is that she's not you know speaking in sound bites. She's speaking from her heart, and um, I mean, as you'll hear for yourself, this is a lot of personal stuff. So you know, I hope uh, I hope our listeners like it. Thanks for coming down here. No problem. Thanks for having us. Audience, as you know, loves you. Mm. Everybody loves you. Everybody was excited that I was coming to speak with you today. Oh, God. Were they drinking? <laughs> no, they were thrilled. They love you there. Chad mm. Arden, oh my God, say hi. From Zoomer, basically. Everybody at Zoomer says hi. That's very nice. Um, but yeah, you got the, the book and the album. So I was hoping we could just maybe talk mm -hmm. about both, if that's okay. Yeah, no problem. And um, I wanted to start with the book uh, because it's such a powerful read and I mean everybody's sort of come to accept or expect it from you that you're going to be open and honest as you always are. So I'm just curious what made you want to write the book, uh, Feeding with My Mother? <clears throat> I think it was, um, it started out as a plea for, for help and for feedback for, from people. So I started writing journals on, you know, on the internet and um, I was blown away by the response like putting, writing about my mom on Facebook, for instance, like sometimes over a million people would read it. And I think what I realized very early on, this is going back five or six years ago, of what a catastrophe memory loss illnesses were. And I didn't know, I had really no experience. I mean, my grandma, you know, she was just older. She was, you know, in her late 80s and she was forgetful and forgot how to bake and stuff. But you don't think about it you you know back when I was a kid old people just forgot things yeah. and of course now at my age watching my parents just how debilitating memory loss is and that it chokes off you know a person's life and frustrates the hell out of everybody around them and a lot of anger and frustration but um, yeah it's just I was blown away by the thousands and thousands and thousands of responses that I got about people that didn't know what to do, didn't know where to put their parents or their husbands or their wives or their grandparents. I mean, sometimes dementia and Alzheimer's is in people in their 40s. Yeah. 
you know, forties and fifties, yeah. like terrifying. you know the um, the fellow from Spirit of the West, who's the lead singer going through. Mm. He has Alzheimer's. He's in his frickin' forties. Um, but yeah, so I just I started just writing kind of every couple of weeks and. I've had so many people ask me about, oh, I wish you could put these all in one place. I find them really helpful, and I find like I'm not so alone with it. And and people gave me lots of feedback. Oh, you should try this and do this and try this activity because I just didn't know where I was headed. So I think that's where it stemmed from um, is compiling all the journals, you know, five or six years of writing about the memory loss of my parents and what my experience was, was like. And then, you know, when you go into thinking about doing, putting them together, it seemed kind of, I don't know, kind of boring to just have that in and of itself. I didn't feel like that's what was telling the story. So I've been cooking for my mom and dad for 10 years because they weren't able to cook anymore. So I had to learn how to cook. Like, <laughs> I just have to learn to cook simple things. You know, every night they're at my door like at 4.30, like, what are we eating? It started out as one day a week, and then it was two days a week, then it was three days a week, and then when I was home it was like every night of the week. Wow. I was making food for them, which is really sweet, but I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. I guess it's not just me going to fucking Subway anymore. i got to figure out what to feed these people. <laughs> and so I had put all these recipes together because I'm an avid, like, foodie, you know, watching cooking shows and yeah. things like that. And then I had all these photographs taking pictures of my folks and where I live and and um, thought, well, let's just put them all together. Yeah. And Random House was great. I mean, I sent them so much content, <laughs> you know, like thousands of pages of s stuff and then six or seven hundred photographs and, you know, then getting down what recipes I wanted to put in there and they're like I think this will work together yeah I knew I always wanted to call it feeding my mother just because there was psychological aspects to it and mm -hmm. but yeah so it, it was kind of odd how it came about it's such a great like way in though through the food mm -hmm. that's really fascinating it's something mm -hmm. I can still do with my parents well my dad's gone now but um, you know food was something like, my mom is now having trouble eating, which is so weird. Like, if you put a sandwich in front of her, she's not completely sure what to do. Um, she'll take it apart, she'll take the top off, and then she'll move, like, the tomato to the side. And, you know, you have to yeah. say, Mom, no, 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 just leave that on there, put that on there, and just pick it up with your hands. And she doesn't want to do that. You know, she just doesn't, her brain is like, no, what, what the fuck is this? But she can still like sit and peel carrots for me or peel a potato. Like she'll peel a potato down to nothing. Hmm. Like not just the peel, yeah. but the whole potato is just in little slivers. But it cooks fast. <laughs> it's better, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can boil a, 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 sli a slivered potato like in eight seconds. <laughs> but, you know, just to sit down and eat yeah. is important. And I like what it says too, you know, when you feed someone spiritually, when you feed their souls and when you feed them emotional wellness like my my task now and for anyone looking after someone with memory loss is to their safety and wellness and just to make sure my mom's okay she's happy for the most part it's good you know but she's gets frustrated and she's sleeping more and yeah. it's a really weird disease yeah and 
what were sort of the early signs that you saw in your parents that you know got you worried about the the memory loss and and sort of I'm just trying to get an yeah, idea no. timeline like when it happened. Oh, absolutely. Um, my dad had uh, a, a quite a bad stroke about 12 years ago, and he never really came back to it. He was a very clever man. He had his own construction business the whole time I was growing up. He was he was a concrete guy. He knew he could look at this room and tell you how many cubic yards you would need to fill this room and what the strength needed to be and what the water and lime and gravel ratio needed to be in the sand. I mean, he was so clever. And, you know, when the stroke happened, it wasn't like he had a bad side that the left side, it was, it was very much personality and he couldn't talk very well anymore and he just didn't understand simple things. So his dementia started there. Um, with my mom, it was a repetitiveness. You know, it was just, we all tell the same goddamn stories. I mean, I do it now at 55. Did I tell you? But we always <laughs> preface it with that, right? Yeah. Just to make sure. Did yeah. I tell you about when I got hit by that duck? But now, um, you know, most of us can hear a story 10 times and realize that there's a problem. Right. And just... Um, making up things like, oh, your dad and I climbed up that mountain. It was really random things. And then it was, how do I use this can opener? How do you turn the clock on? Reading time off of, uh, you know, well, mom, the little arm's on the four and the big arm's on the 11. So what, she goes, I don't even know what that means. So it's just stolen. Turning taps on a bathtub. Like, it's not these big things. It's not forgetting. She still knows names. She knows almost everybody that comes through our door. Like, oh, Stephanie, it's so weird. Like, there's something intact with her. But if you gave her just a simple task, like write down the words, there is a dog, she couldn't do it. Yeah. It, it's just, it's gone. Say it again. Like, even the pen, she would, it would take her a while to just understand what to do with it. It's so frustrating. Because they call it presenting well. You could sit and talk to my mom for a few minutes and you'd say, God, she's really awesome. Yeah. But, you know, she'd never find her way out of this building. Right. And that was happening when your dad was still alive. Yeah. But he wasn't, he had skills that she didn't have. So it's like when people have been married for almost 60 years, they cheat all the time. They cover for each other. They... They would, uh, like I'd say, have you guys eaten? Yes. What'd you eat? Well, ask your dad. Like, they just, they worked in tandem. They did this kind of dance. Wow. And he could still work the can opener. Like, I, they live 100 yards from me. They built a granny cottage on my property. And when I'm home, I'm not home a lot these days, but, you know, they'd call me four times a day to come and find the remote. Yeah. Holy fuck, they'd be trying to change the channel with the with the phone. I'm like, this, you know, this is the phone, right? Well, yeah, this is the phone. So this isn't going to change the channels on the TV. And you have to laugh. And then, you know, I'd eventually find the, the remote in the dog crunchy bag. Yeah, I read you mentioned that, yeah. You know, so I'm like, and I would just get so frustrated, but... Like, my dad threw out this digital clock. I bought it for him, and uh, it was brand new. And I didn't even think of it, but I guess he couldn't get it going, and so he threw it in the garbage. He goes, that goddamn thing was broken and a piece of shit. 
and I, so I picked it out and I said what time do you want to wake up what you know what radio station do you want to come on, have come on and so I got it all set up for him but he had, he had thrown it out and he threw their coffee pot out too they started throwing out appliances because when he couldn't figure it out my dad would unplug it and chuck it in the garbage can I would go out fish the fucking thing out and plug it back in get it going wash the pots out doesn't work anymore nothing wrong with it they couldn't figure out how to put the paper filter in from one day to the next day I'm like you did this yesterday and and they just get mad and I don't blame them because I wasn't getting it yet you have to go along and have some compassion before I was just correcting 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 and trying to be the memory police and you know you don't want to believe it it's like your parents that have always known everything yeah. and then I eventually had to put my dad in a nursing home because it was he couldn't walk anymore he was falling he was and then my mom really failed yeah so now I have full-time help for her yeah um, but I'll be home tonight so for the next eight days that I'm home I'll feed her every night I'll have her from like four till eight but in those four hours I'm I don't know how people and a lot of people have to do it because of, you know, finances. How they give up their jobs, move their parents or their parent in and look after them. Because it's expensive. So we have to figure it out. And I'm curious how it affected um, your own health in that I know you're taking care of your parents, but you're also taking care of yourself. And if how you changed to take care of your parents sort of gave you an idea about how to take care of yourself? Oh, I had to change a lot of things. I was getting really unwell. Um, I've lost a lot of weight, and I just started eating better. You know, when I started feeding my parents, obviously I'm starting to cook food for myself all the time, but good food, lots of vegetables, and, you know, exercising. I was very depressed, and I just, I wasn't sleeping well, and I thought, I've got to make some changes. I quit, stopped drinking completely, alcohol. I just... You know, when you say to yourself, I'm drinking too much, mm -hmm. I'm just drinking too much. If you say that sentence to yourself, you're drinking too much. There's no two ways about it. Yeah. If you ask yourself that question, you've prompted a dialogue that you have to respond to. So, I mean, I've changed everything in the last two years, but I feel much more capable and much more clear, way less anxiety. Um, you know, reaching out for help, leaning on my friends. I was terrible about asking for help. I didn't want to burden my friends. And for some reason, memory diseases, people are very ashamed of them. Because, you know, you bring someone to a room and, you know, I, I have to admit I was kind of a little bit embarrassed, you know, when my mom would be on repeat, on repeat, and people would be looking at me. Because if you don't understand what the disease is, you know, people often attribute it to being stupid or what's wrong with her or is she crazy? And it's just memory loss. So you try and cover for it. Now I'm like, my mom has Alzheimer's. I just say that to people. You know, if we're at a checkout and she's putting extra things or like um, I brought her on a trip to Palm Springs a couple months ago. I try and bring her every six months. I take a care worker with me because, you know, they're my friends and but we went into a drugstore, and we were all together. I was as far away from my mom as this glass at all times. And when we got home, my mom had shoplifted a bunch of stuff. She had, like, makeup in her pockets and an eyeliner and, like, a little tiny shampoo bottle from where the travel stuff is. 
and uh, well, Nadine and I were just like, holy shit. You're like, what do we do? Yeah. You know, well, obviously you bring it back to the yeah. store and go, I'm sorry, we just got back and my mom had this stuff in her pockets and here you go. So, you know, I'm sure even if we'd walk back from, from the parking lot and said, my mom has Alzheimer's and I'm very sorry she lifted these, I don't think anyone would charge her, but yeah. it's just things like that. It is kind of embarrassing. But my mom doesn't think about that. It has no, she has no idea. She'd be mortified if that was my mother 10 years ago. Yeah. I mean, she'd have a good laugh, right? <laughs> but it's just, it's just unexpected things. And But now, I mean, I hit my friends up. I talk about it. I think for three or four years, I was just like, I just couldn't believe it was happening. And I felt very sorry for myself. And I was very scared. Because what does the future look like? And the people that have looked after you your whole life suddenly disappear. And then when my dad died, you kind of feel orphaned. I'm like, holy shit, I'm actually a grown-up person. I'm, a, I'm on my own now. Yeah. I don't have anyone to ask. I don't have anyone to tell, oh, I'm flying to London, or I'm, I'm going to be in the States for a while, or I'm going on tour. My mom, it's all gone. Yeah. And, and I ended a 10-year relationship, which was... You know, when you have a partner that says it's your parents or me. Okay. Well, I guess it's my parents. Yeah. So, it's funny how everything happens at once. Yeah, because you wrote that your mother was diagnosed officially with Alzheimer's right after your father passed, right? Yeah, and, and I, that's the other thing too. I mean, we knew for three and a half years. And they'd taken her license away. You know, she was failing the memory tests. Like before and, she was diagnosed mm, for three and a half years? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they took her license because you have to do cognitive tests. I think at a certain age they just have you, they're weird little tests, like you, they have pictures that you have to copy, they have simple little logistical questions. I mean, you and I could skim through them in no time, but there's a scale between, I think it goes zero to 30. And my mom was, you have to, I believe, be 20 to operate a car, have a motor, and my mom was like 22, and the next time she did it, she was 16. And we just tested her last week, she was nine. So, you know, she's just, she can't write words down or anything. But she doesn't, she's, she, you know, she's like, well, that's the best I can do. Yeah. Was that, how is that, she'd say, and the nurse would go, that's good, Joan, better than I could do, and she just laughs. I'm not much of an artist, she'd say. <laughs> but you know, it's literally draw the, draw the, there's a square, and you have to draw a square beside it. Yeah. And she just went around the square with her pen. I'm like, that's what I'd do too, Mom. Good one. That's <laughs> a good one, Mom. What's it like to tour and work and be away from your mother? It's difficult. I mean, I phone every day. FaceTime's hilarious. It's always a crap suit. So there's usually, you know, the care workers right there when I FaceTime, but mom always has it pointing at the ceiling or pointing, she puts it by your ear, because it's, you know, I'm usually doing it on the care worker's yeah. phone. So, you know, we talk every day, but my mom is reluctant to talk. She, it's, it's hard to have a conversation. Her brain is getting less and less, so that's kind of difficult. She used to want to chat with me for a little while, but really even after 40 or 50 seconds, she's, yeah. well, you should get going or I, I better go because it's just too much. It's overwhelming. 
but I have cameras in her house so I check those probably every couple of hours I'll say to the girls is, is mom sleeping on that rocking chair and they always forget there's cameras in there oh yeah I didn't want to move her you know she's yeah. on the rocking chair I said that's okay I just she's been there for a while now yeah so I watch her like a hawk yeah Wow. And I tell everyone, cameras are there, 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 and there. They're not in the bathrooms, but yeah, it's just so that I can see her. <clears throat> and um, yeah, you just have to check in, and you know, life goes on. My mom would know that I would have to work. Yeah, they knew that it was important to me, and that's something I had to do. Now, you have the the book, and you have your new album coming out in the spring. And I know I was listening to it yesterday, and there's songs that you've sort of... Oh, you, you actually heard the record? Yeah, uh, yeah. Marcus sent like the tracks. Oh, great. And it, it's beautiful, but it's like... <laughs> I was working on this and listening to it and going, oh my god, this is like so... Like, it's so deep, I almost, like, I couldn't do this. I have to just listen to stuff. And like, the long goodbye, for example. Yeah. You know, which I know the single was out. And it's, it's like so touching. And does it help you to cope to, to write music and perform music? I don't know. Music's so different than doing any kind of prose. I think, you know, just journaling about my mom is always very helpful. I still do it. I just did one the other day. Um, but music is very, it's, it's such, it's such a, it's a distraction, but um, I never know what I'm going to write about. I didn't purposely set out to write about my mom or that experience. It's just something that, you know, when you write it down, you're like, oh, I think this is about my mom, about this experience. But I wrote the entire record with the exception of a couple songs with Bob Rock. Yeah. And, you know, Bob and I come from very different places. You know, his work with some of the greatest metal bands of all time, you know, ACDC and Metallica, and Bon Jovi, and, you know, all these people, and hundreds of pop acts, you know, Bob, whether it's The Offspring or... So when he and I decided to try and write together, I'm thinking, I don't even know if we'll get one song. And I flew to Maui. Uh, my road manager, his parents stay there part of the year, and they're like, you're more than welcome to stay in our condo. So it was cheap and cheerful, right? We got these yeah. cheap flights. So he came with like a keyboard, a guitar, two plastic bags full of cables. He just dumped them on the floor <laughs> in Chris's mom and dad's place. And uh, Long Goodbye is one of the first ones we wrote. And what Bob brings is he just sets it up and he, he has these grooves going and just chord progressions. And he just said, write down whatever comes into your mind. And I sit and I do it really quickly, and then he stops and he'll, okay, let's do this and back up, we'll double up this part, it's furious. So I think we did three or four songs. We got together another two times, we wrote another, I think, four or five songs each time we got together in a day. Four or five songs a day. I know that seems like, and those are the ones that are on that record. Wow. Um, some of the ones, there's a few we didn't use. There's a couple of tunes that I wrote with my band members so it just was a weird process and very quick and Bob just like write down whatever comes into your head there was very few corrections once I wrote it down that's what it was left as and I think it's the best record I've done in 20 years I really do I think it's really special it's very aggressive for me there's you know like bluesy things on there there's just stuff on there that's People are going to be very surprised yeah. that it is me. So that's so interesting. And like, I, obviously, you have everything going on with your mother, and that's on your mind. But in general, at this point in your career, what, where do you get your inspiration, and what sort of is your driving creative force? 
gosh, I don't know, just, you know, life in general. I, I love being a creative person. I think, you know, the older you get, the more you realize it's so great, and I'm sure you realize this too, is just having a purposeful life and finding things that you're interested in. Um, I'm still really interested in, in music, and as much as I can't stand people a lot of the times, and I'm disappointed in them, I'm just saying this in a general terms, when I look at, you know, giant populations murdering each other and things like that, they're just so disappointing. We are disappointing. On the other side of that coin, I still really believe in championing them, and I think I, I like just expressing myself, and if I can bring some kind, something to the table and leave something behind me that's interesting or thought-provoking or, I mean, I just love music. I love working with Bob. You know, he's such a dear friend of mine, and it's been encouraging to know that you know, I still feel like writing songs. You wonder, what's going to be the last thing I write down? Hmm. But you look at people like, you know, Cohen and Dylan and, yeah. you know, uh, all these people, Neil Young, I mean, that are just still out there singing songs, whether it's sitting on a chair or, you know, Leonard right up until he died. I mean, I think he was working the week before. And um, it's just having a purposeful life doing stuff. This is what I do. Yeah. I don't know what else I would do. Well, a million things, but I work with my friends um, and I find life inspiring. You know, everything that's going on around us is so... I guess it's no different than what the world looked like 3,000 years ago. It looked pretty yeah. goddamn awful back then, too. <laughs> Tribes were killing each other and, you know, women were marginalized and they weren't allowed to have a voice and it's, I just feel like we do the same shit every thousand years whether we need to or not. Let's do it again! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't learn well, do we? No! <laughs> do you, I know you, a lot of people talk people with Alzheimer's, sometimes music will really get oh, through Oh, yeah. Them. And so always, of course, with, with My you... My mom loves music. Yeah, does she listen to She knows all music? the words. Yeah? I, you know, she, she, I played her my new record and she thought it had really nice beats on it. Well, that's a really good beat. But as far as the lyrics go, and I was a little reluctant, you know, long goodbye. I'm thinking, yeah, does she course. recognize herself in there? But there's no, she doesn't recognize it at all. It's sort of a little bit off topic, but... No, go for it. We, we know how much you love uh, your, your pets and dogs mm -hmm. and everything. And we want to, obviously our readers do too, ask you about that and about the importance of having your four-legged oh, friends in your life. I would life. never have made it through the last few years without my little dog. I have a really? five-and-a-half-pound Morky, so she's Maltese and Yorkshire Terrier. Her name is Midi, M-I-D-I. -I. Yeah. And um, she just is really... They're just so comforting. She's a great little traveler. She flies really well. People are always like, do you drug your dog? And I'm like, no, but I am. I'm very drugged. But she just sleeps on the plane, you know, her feet stick out of the bag. And she's just like, are we there yet? Like, she's just very chill. And um, she like, go to restaurants in her bag. And she's just on, always on the down low. But uh, I think, you know, my, my, my parents really, the pets have been important to them as well. Like. Um, my mom has a cat we adopted that she focuses on. She loves that cat. And she'll say it over and over and over. I love my cat. I love my cat. I said, do you love the cat as much as you love me? She goes, well, just about. <laughs> and uh, one of these days she's going to say, oh, I love the cat more than you. Are you kidding me? But, you know, they make such a difference in your life. And 
You know, I think even people that are staunch anti-pet people, I think if they had the opportunity to actually connect with a rescue dog, or I think it would really change their idea of yeah. what that kind of companionship is like, and and how non-judgmental it is, and it just really brings a lot to the table. I don't, I don't think of one aspect of my life that hasn't been enhanced by my dog, wow. and. Uh, you know, a lot of the times touring even, um, I can be quite isolated and just go from the hotel to the car, into the venue, back to the hotel. And with Mitty, I have to go out. Mm -hmm. So, and I have to get up early. So ball cap on and glasses and sneakers. And she's, she's like, let's go see the neighborhood. And so we talk to people all day and they always talk through her. It's amazing what dogs do. Like, you could walk downtown Toronto and not ever engage with anybody, but if you take your dog to a park, you will talk to 25 yeah. people. So that's been a real changing thing for me, too, because I've just talked to people, yeah. and they don't, they rarely know who I am. Um, but I would never talk to them otherwise, but they go, oh, what kind of a dog do you have? So we always go, the, the dog is the conduit. Yeah. How old is she? Is it a boy or a girl? Oh, what is that? And oh my gosh, blah, 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 where are you from? And like, would you go up to a person on a bench and just start talking yeah, to them? No. They'd think you're fucking crazy. Yeah. They'd be like <laughs> a dude not talking to you. Yeah. Right? There'd be always this apprehension. But with a dog, it, it, it gives you a license to engage people. Yeah. That's and I don't know. Yeah, it really is. It's been a real learning curve for me but we're out I'm out of the hotel too I guess where like she forces yeah. you if you want to retreat inward she brings you out yeah oh absolutely she's going up to people and I'm like oh I'm sorry because she's on their leg going hi <laughs> and you know you just and they're like oh my god she's fine you yeah. know it's it's a very great thing to have yeah. I would highly recommend it for people that have trouble socializing or Holy shit, those dog parks. You you will have friends for life. It's a really interesting community. For your fans who love, you know, they, they got your book uh, now. They're going to get your music next year. What else can they sort of look forward to? I know you always have different creative things going. Is there anything else that we can... You know, I did a little bit of acting this year, which was really interesting. I did two episodes of Working Moms on CBC, and right, I did right. an episode of The Detour, the Jason Jones show. Yeah that him and his wife Samantha B. wrote, I play a hooker, you know, just for one little scene. But I just tried to do, a, uh, you know, people would offer me these parts and I'm like, hell, I'll, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. But uh, working with Catherine Reitman on uh, Working Moms was really an extraordinary experience and kind of, you know, it, it was really neat just seeing how these people put these shows together and, and how big these crews are. and. You know, the Canadian television machine is, is, is really in a great place. There's yeah. so much good Canadian television coming out of this country, and it looks good. It's very competitive. Yeah. You know, streaming has changed the game, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, they're making things that look as good, if not better, as anything internationally. So that was another thing that I kind of tried my hand on. I'm, and I'm still, you know, co-hosting stuff on CTV with The Social. I do... Yeah a week with them coming up in November and that's been great. I shot another thing with Rick Mercer yeah. for his last season here. He's far from done, I'm sure. He says he's mm -hmm. retiring, but um, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we shot that and it was kind of, it's, it's going to be a good episode because it's a recap of the 15 
years that we've kind of done this shit together. Yeah. Like it's been that long. And he's such a dorkle ball. <laughs> so yeah, just, you know, and I'll, before you know it, we'll be touring again. Um, I think we go out in the spring and then we're doing like a big band tour, I think going into, I think the summer Bruce was talking about, June or July, yeah. with the new record. Nice. So we'll see what happens. And I think we're looking at a few other territories this year, you know, we'll go back to the UK, probably Australia. Lovely. The states we kind of skip over because <laughs> there's really no point even swinging the bat at that country. But um, yeah, it's I'm just just yeah. trying to be creative and pay my mortgage. That's awesome. <laughs> Rumblings of a, of a possible novel in the future is that I've been working on it for five years. If yeah. I get this thing done, every year you know everyone laughs at me, but I have enjoyed the process so much. Yes. I think the story's so great. Um, it's kind of a coming of age of this young girl on a farm and her grandparents are raising her. It's a long sordid story, but they're horrible people. Hmm. They are horrible, cruel, terrifying people. And uh, her quest is to find her mom and the cows talk. So we have talking cows. So it's a little bit of a fantasy thing. And uh, Is it funny? or It is funny. It's funny and dark. Yeah. And um, I think that the town that it takes place in is just, you know, rife with, you know, really odd characters. But it really just focuses on, you know, trying to grow up despite the people that are in your charge being, you know, repressive and cruel and manipulative and just what disappointment can do to a human life and how people often try and pass that on to, who's, to whoever is in arm's length. So I'm 85% I'm done. I mean, it'll need an editor to go through yeah. there with a weed whacker. <laughs> but um, I really enjoyed it. It's, it's been something to work on. And I, it doesn't matter if anything comes of it. Just the hundreds, if not thousands of hours that I've spent doing this has been very enightening. And it's, I don't like being idle. Yeah. That's so yeah, and so I this always, isn't something you're planning. Like I need to publish no, it next year. No, no, I, I random house once in a while will say to me, "How's that book coming along?" And it's so funny. So I've done this whole other book in yeah. the meantime, <laughs> and uh, I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm still <laughs> going, but I have such a deep respect for writers that you know have made that their vocation yeah. and their life's work, but. You know, there's something about words and, you know, making up stories and it's a really, it's an old thing to do. It's a very natural thing for human beings to do, that idea of sitting around a fire and retelling stories that are, you know, generations old. I think that's part of the human spirit, is that we want to tell stories and entertain people. So it's just a really long song. It's a long song. Just, I, I know you have other people to talk to, so just before we go, when it comes to the book and I guess the album as well, for both, what do you hope people uh, who read or listen take away from them? Honestly, I mean, that's a very big question, but I, but I think really at the end of the day, it's just a little bit of a reprieve from life, a bit of entertainment, something to lift your spirits or inspire you. Or, um, you know, I know for me, I was one of those kids when I listened to music as a teenager, it was like my my refuge and my solace. And I would listen to like a Donna Summer song a hundred times. 
Yeah. I'll just take the needle and put it back and listen to it over and over and over again. And I, it was just, just something that soothed my soul. I mean, I grew up in the sticks. I didn't yeah. have a lot of friends, and there was only 40 kids in my school. So was, music was like, made me feel like joined to the world. So yeah. I think just to, to add to people's lives in some way. And for the book as well. Yeah, and I mean, the book for sure, I hope people that realize that they are not alone with memory loss issues. It is a catastrophic disease. I mean, Alzheimer's has many faces, as does dementia. Um, you know, dementia is kind of this blanket term like cancer is. Well, what kind of cancer do you have? There's a million different kinds of dementia, you know, and Alzheimer's is in that family. So I think, I hope people learn to, you know, ask for help and, and not feel so isolated with it. That's what I hope. And there it is. That's one-on-one uh, -on -one with Jan Arden last, uh, last November. It was a lot of fun. That was a really nice interview, Mike. You know, I felt I, like I was sitting there on the couch with you, you know, <laughs> braiding Jan's hair Yeah, as she talked. Well, you know what? Like when you're sitting there with her, she's so um, disarming in a sense because she's just like so, um, I said this before, you know, she's so honest. But like really, you forget that you're doing an interview after a while and you're just like chatting with someone. And this is the you know, first time you sat down with her. Yeah, it's the first time I sat down with her. But like it's one of those experiences where you feel like you're just chatting with a with a pal, with a buddy. So um, and that's my favorite type of interview, personally, because just all you know, you can just be honest and straightforward, and there's a trust uh, between the, the the two of us, and it worked out, I think. Yeah, and she's. I think it helped that she's also familiar with with Zoomer. She's done, you know, some of the radio programs here, and yeah, she, she's been on the cover this before. This is our second time she's been on our cover now. Yeah, yeah, course, she bared absolutely. all. Like, she, she bared all. Naked, bare naked. Bared it physically. She bared it uh, emotionally the, now. I, I should clear that up. In the 2012 issue, not the current <laughs> yes, yes. <as> issue. <laughs> talking about before, yes. In the 2012 issue, she did the, the nude spread that everybody was talking about in the, the media. And and uh, now she's bearing her soul. And I think she <laughs> did a great job with both. You look at, the, like, you know, Jan having to learn to cook. I think you look at um, Jan talking about... You know, her, her mom not being able to do certain tasks. Yeah, that was that was interesting when she was talking about presenting well, which I yeah. never heard that term before, uh, where she someone could walk into the room and she'll know their name and a little bit of their yeah. backstory enough to ask how they're doing and, and or what's going on with whatever's happening in that person's life. She'll know that. So that's presenting well. But you could ask her to write a simple phrase like, uh, I think it was, there is a dog. She, couldn't, she right. couldn't do that. But if you're in the caregiver's position, it's like it must be, there, there's a little bit of like, you know, the the person who she's presenting well to doesn't really get a feel for how difficult it is, you know, the rest of the time because they are mm -hmm. presenting well and you don't realize the struggles that the caregiver will have. So I think like the fact that she brought all these things out in the open, it, it's going to be really relatable for a lot of people out there yeah. who uh, who have been through this before or who are currently going through a similar situation. You know what though? In in total, like not in that situation, but in general with the book and with the interview and and everything that Jan's been doing around this. And it's Alzheimer's Awareness Month. I mean, these illnesses and these struggles that people who are caregivers deal with, as well as the people who are suffering from the illness deal with, you know, I mean, we need to shine a light on them, right? Like, yeah. we can't just be whispering about them in dark corners or in little secluded, you know, groups, you know, of other people who, I mean, we need to talk about it wide open. Everybody needs to know, you know, the, the, the hardships that come with it. But also, I think Jan highlights 
some of the the nice the the small moments of like hope and the small moments of uh, happiness and and fun that she has with her mom and I mean you know it's it's the humanity and the humor that she brings to this story that I think is what attracts people to it. It's not just doom and gloom. Okay, so I I guess that's it for today. That was uh, that was amazing. Yeah, that's a good place to leave it. Um, you know, I just want to thank Jan for being uh, a really great sport and a wonderful interview. And everybody for listening to our first official edition of Ages and Icons. Congratulations, yeah. Gina. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we look forward to being back real soon with some more interviews uh, for everyone out there. In the meantime, you can check out Zoomer Magazine on newsstands everywhere. And, of course, everything everythingzoomer.com. Uh, all of our interviews are up there as well. Yeah. Also, uh, please uh, check out our YouTube channel. If I put up a lot of, I have put up a lot of great uh, new interviews uh, up there. So um, it used to be a little barren before, but now I'm pumping it with some interviews and that Mike has done, I've done myself, some other editors have done, and um, we hope you enjoy those. There's some cool What's series. What's the URL for that? Um, just go into YouTube and, uh, you know, do, hit the little search on magnifying glass. I'll walk you through it, Mike. You've obviously never been on a site called YouTube before. So let me walk you through it. And then you're going to search for everything Zoomer. That's it. Everything Zoomer. And you'll, you'll see, um, our podcast. I've got, uh, uh, videos with, uh, Marion Keys on there. Um, great Irish author, uh, model May Musk. Um, and then a few more to come. I don't want to spoil too much, but, uh, some cool stuff. There you go. Thank you, uh, thank you, Jan. Thank you, Gina. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you next time on Ages and Icons. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.